welcome to the SEO Freelancer Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Leroy. This month, I speak with Tom Critchlow, SEO and strategy consultant, and also well-known for his courses at the SEO MBA. Before we start this month's interview, a quick note from our sponsor, SEORadar.com. We all know how many clients end up making changes that are bad for SEO without them talking to SEOs first. SEO Radar puts you back in control of your client's issues. Whether it's weird rendering issues that crop up or a content editor that changes titles that have been optimized for Google, SEO Radar's alert will help you stay on top of what's changing. Get alerts via Slack, email, or text message. And when that bad alert hits, you'll have full HTML archives and screenshots to easily revert quickly. Get started today with SEO Radar at seoradar.com. Thank you again to our sponsor, and let's jump into this month's episode. So thank you, Tom, for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. Tom, just to kick us off, do you mind giving us a little bit of an introduction, a brief description of your background? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I got started in SEO working for my brother, uh, Will Critchlow, who started the Distilled, um, who some of you may or may not be familiar with. This is back in the UK in, uh, I don't know, 2008, let's say, something like that, uh, when uh, I think we were at the right time in the right place, SEO kind of took off. So so we went very quickly uh, from you know doing SEO for like a local hairdresser and a local restaurant. I remember there was a, a castle in Scotland that I was doing SEO for uh, a long time ago. Um, we very quickly went from that to doing enterprise level SEO for for you know uh, uh, high street brands in the UK. Um, I remember we did a, a big engagement with Amazon UK um, when they were kind of launching into the UK um, uh, with a dedicated team. Um, and so yeah, it kind of took off from there. So um, that was where I cut my teeth, both from uh, learning and learning SEO and, and kind of getting into the, the SEO industry, but also from learning business, uh, learning how to manage a team, learning how to close client deals, all that kind of stuff. You know, we went from uh, me, Will, and Duncan, um, just the three of us uh, running Distill, to uh, I think when I left in 2011, we were I don't know somewhere about 50, 60 people. Uh, across London, New York, and Seattle, um, and that was the thing that brought me to New York. So I've been in New York for a decade, and uh, you know I ran the, the New York office for Distilled um, for a little bit, and then in 2012 joined Google. Um, so I went to work at Google for a couple of years. That was very much a uh, an attempt to kind of get out of SEO um, in a weird kind of way. I I, um, uh, I I was I was very interested at that point in my career, just kind of broadening my horizons, seeing what else was out there, and I think being in New York. I was surrounded with a lot of kind of creative technologists and people doing interesting stuff on the web more generally. Um, and so I was kind of interested in, in pursuing that, going further on that. So I went to Google for a couple of years where I did a whole bunch of random stuff, um, including you know like TV ads and um, internal innovation videos and uh, product strategy stuff, um, most of which I was highly unqualified for. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then, and then like you said, since 2014, I've been out on my own doing uh, Doing kind of freelance independent consulting work, and that's fantastic. I, you know, I knew of you, Tom, and your brother. You know, back when you guys really started integrating with Moz, you know, directly. Yeah. I suspect that played you know a significant role into moving into the enterprise side of things. You know, and then you kind of dropped the bomb on us that you were you know quote unquote leaving SEO to go to Google at a non SEO role, which I always thought was interesting and. I'll link to it in the description, but I actually came across one of your posts that just said, what is it, like three or four ideas you came up with? The, some of them were crazy, some of them you know, were before their time, which again, I thought that was just really interesting. And I could see going from kind of an SEO exclusive role 
to a role that doesn't have to do with SEO, but is much broader in business, you know, kind of going full circle now, you know, I know you do broader consulting, but being able to create this SEO MBA, I suspect you would say that that, that experience at Google and, you know, running distilled with your brother, like those, you know, softer skills, you know, have to play a considerable role. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I've certainly got my brother to credit for a lot of this. He works in a, a management consulting firm before he started distilled and um, learned a lot of kind of foundational skills about how to communicate with senior executives, how to add polish to your work in a way that I think a lot of folks in the SEO industry in particular at that time, at least, um, weren't really thinking about, you know, um, uh, and, and just kind of professionalizing the work, uh, making it ready for senior level executives, um, thinking about business strategy and business models more closely. Um, and my brother instilled some of that thinking on me. Um, I got interested in that stuff. And, you know, the more that I was in the SEO industry, the more that I, I kind of created this foundational point of view, which was that, you know, SEO is consultative, whether you're working in-house or an agency, you have to persuade other teams to invest their resources against your projects, right? You know, you, we need the Without content team, the PR team, the engineering team, the product teams, the data teams. We need all these other teams to allocate their resources in service of our goals. And so soft skills, right? Persuasion, negotiation, pitching, uh, cross-functional collaboration, communication, um, those things are just, uh, in my mind, um, those are almost the hard skills of SEO, right? <laughs> those are almost the most useful bits. Um, and, and that was what you know ultimately led me to, to launching the SEO MBA was, was feeling like um, there was a gap in the industry that that uh, I could I could be useful in, and that I could help others uh, learn some of those skills. Um, and and yeah, here we are. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, this is one of, if not the main reasons, I wanted you on this podcast. Tom was I think you were hitting what is one of the biggest opportunities for all SEOs across the board, and it really is, you know, in this executive presence or soft skills in general. I mean, one of your your first posts was talking about just taking standardized SEO data that you and I would look at and export a screaming frog and it all makes sense. But you know what? Once you take a screenshot and throw it on a PowerPoint and expect C-suite to understand what that means, let alone how that's going to impact their bottom line, like you've completely lost them. Totally. And it kind of goes back to the conversation that I have, you know, as a, a freelancer and I tend to service more of the enterprise also a lot of these C-suite conversations. And I always say that it's 20% of my job is actually doing the SEO. It's 80% of communicating, getting buy-in and moving the boulders so that they can succeed so that they don't get in their own way. And again, this is where I've become such a huge fan of you know, the SEO MBA and you know, a part of the SEO freelancer. I try to communicate that you know, this is not where you go to learn SEO. You're right. learning some of these soft skills, and that is what's going to really differentiate you from being a good SEO, from being a good SEO consultant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I love that what you just said. That distinction between between being a kind of technical practitioner to actually being an effective senior level consultant or um, professional, I think, is uh, that's a skills gap that, that I think both of us are kind of pointing out. Yeah, and and I think you would agree. We we all know some individuals that can just crush in SEO. They're going to rank for various casino sites and affiliates, and they can make a ton of money. And that's not going to be a priority for them. It's necessarily the, the communication because you know they found their little niche. But I think for the 98% of us, whether, as you mentioned before, whether you're agency side, in-house, freelancer, um, this is just a skill that you can't run away from. 
And I definitely want to spend a little bit more time jumping into that a little bit. But if you don't mind, let's take one step back. Sure. One question that I ask all my guests and people love this is, can you explain to us your first job out of school, you know, professional career and what were you earning at the beginning of your career? Yeah. Uh, so my, my, uh, my first job out of college was working for an accounting team inside a big, uh, it was a big call center organization. And, um, you know, when I say I worked in accounting, what that meant was scanning invoices. Um, I used to, I used to, like one by one, I took a piece of paper and I fed it into the scanner and then I stamped it with a rubber stamp. Um, and I did that all day long. Um, I don't remember exactly how much I was earning, but it must've been somewhere like 14, 16,000 pounds in the UK. Um, so obviously pretty, making pretty a ton of money, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was not, it was not a highly paid job uh, at all. And then I quickly went, quickly went from that to working at a digital agency a few years later, uh, where I, I don't remember again exactly how much I was earning, probably somewhere in the 16 to 18 K, uh, range, because um, I had no digital experience, right? That was, again, it was my right. entry-level job as an account manager. Um, and so that was kind of, uh, yeah, that was where I got my start. And just out of curiosity, so I'm assuming this was prior to joining your brother with the still? Yep. Yep. So I, so I joined a digital agency as an account manager, um, and they were a full-service agency. So we did SEO, PPC, uh, web design, web build. And I was an account manager. So I was, um, I used to be the, the first point of contact for clients. And what was interesting for that was, you know, our SEO function at that agency at the time when I joined was terrible. And in fact, two, two people in the SEO team left the day that I joined. And so I was the one on the phone to, to angry clients all day long who were demanding SEO results. And so that was really the, the first exposure I had to being like, well, maybe I can figure this SEO stuff out myself because it seems like people are already annoyed at it and we don't have a team that does it anymore. I got to do something because people are yelling at me all day long, um, and that was that was kind of where I first started to dip my toes into reading Moz and and you know reading the forums and and being like, what is this SEO business anyway? Um, and then and then, and then yeah, w w went from there to uh, to joining my brother's company back when it was kind of barely a company, right? With Will and Duncan, the two of them started uh, a web design business, and and I kind of joined to to add on the kind of SEO component, and and the rest is history, as they say. I love that story. I think what's interesting, though, is unlike some or most SEOs where you jump in and day one, you're starting with the Moz or the Whiteboard Fridays, you know, jumping into the Yahoo Site Explorer like most of us back in the day did. You know, you were actually dealing with the people skills, the soft skills. You're talking to people, hearing right. what the issues were. So it'd be interesting because I think little to nobody ever starts their career focusing on that aspect. We all grab, you know, the Moz, you know, beginner to SEO guide and you're trying to learn those skills. So like I said, I wonder if just kind of full circle, if that plays a significant role in, you know, what you're accomplishing today. Yeah, but yeah, quite, quite possibly. I mean, I, I certainly think that um, customer service as a kind of foundational frame is something that sticks with you for a long time, right? Um, anytime you've had to be directly client facing um you know helping helping them navigate their problems sell things to them communicate things to them clearly um i think that that is a that's a really useful skill that that sets you up well without a doubt so real quick just kind of wrap it up some of your experience so you you know are part of distilled you guys are growing like crazy you're having a ton of you know great experience and growth in your career you know as we've kind of saw through the digital realm but then you decide like i said from an outsider perspective, it kind of felt like overnight. I'm sure you and Will and others that are closer knew this was coming, but you left to go to Google and not in an SEO role. Can you walk us through a little bit like what had you kind of go that you know, angle? And then more importantly, after you spent that time there, you left Google. 
So yeah. walk us through that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, there, there was a moment in time around 2009, 2010, where um, as SEOs, we had some of the kind of most, uh, most access and most control over digital dollars, right? So there was this moment in time when SEO was the thing driving companies to go online, to, to launch an e-commerce part of their business and, and so on and so forth. Um, and as SEO professionals who've been working on the internet for a while, right? Um, we were often very senior. We were brought into very strategic senior conversations and we would look, we would turn, we would look down our noses at all the other teams, right? We'd be like, well, PR teams, they don't know how to do digital stuff. And, um, you know, uh, web designers, they don't know how to do, you know, digital stuff. And um, uh, ad agencies, they don't know how to do digital stuff, you know? Um, and so I felt like there was this moment in time, kind of 2009, 2010, when SEO was kind of most ascendant, right? As an SEO, you could get access to very, very senior decision makers. You could be involved in very strategic projects. Um, and when I moved to New York in 2011, I think that was really a catalyst for me to understand that the tides were changing and that there were just as many people who worked in PR who had grown up with the internet in the same way that we had. And the ad agencies were doing really innovative digital stuff and um, web design agencies and web development agencies actually knew how to do SEO pretty well now. And, and um, so I think what I saw the writing on the wall was that where SEO had been one of the most effective ways to get access to the senior levels of business, I saw that SEO was only a way to do that and that there were all these sure. other disciplines doing really interesting things. And, you know, I, I, there was a little bit, I think, maybe of um, maybe of frustration also, right? I, at the, at the, back in 2011, I would go to SEO conferences and people would hold up these kind of quote unquote examples of content marketing or like, you know, great, great uh, content campaigns. And I'd look at them all and I'd be like, they were all made by ad agencies. None of these things that we're holding up in the inside the SEO industry as good examples of content were made by SEO. They're all made by content agencies, ad agencies, uh, uh, PR agencies. And so um, again, that was kind of just opening my eyes to maybe there's a bigger world out there. And, and again, so that was kind of the industry shift and it was coupled with a personal just shift of feeling like I'd been in that industry for a long time. I was still kind of young and I was like, I just want more experience across more things, you know? Um, and so the, the job at Google um, kind of, kind of uh, fell out of the sky in a, in a kind of um, uh, serendipitous way, which we, we can talk about another time. But um, yeah, kind of opened itself up. And I was like, this seems like fun. I'm going to go do it. Um, so yeah, went to go work at Google for, for a couple of years. Um, and that experience was, you know, I mean, I learned a ton inside Google. It was, it was a super, super formative experience in terms of opening my eyes to all the things I wanted to open my eyes to, right? Um, you know, I ran TV campaigns and uh, got to rub shoulders with some of the like best designers in the world. You know, the guy that uh, redesigned the Google logo, like sat two desks away from me. And and, and so it was like, it was great. Um, and, and I really enjoyed that stuff. Um, I also felt like a, a kind of a, a fish out of water or a, or a sheep in wolf clothing or, or whatever. Like, yeah, I kind of felt a little bit um, like the odd one out. Uh, surrounded in particular by a lot of creative types uh, with, you know, and I was trying to bring a kind of an analytical and, and business mindset to, to the work. Um, so, you know, I never really found my place at Google, um, but, you know, don't really regret my time there. It, it certainly did what it, what I set out to do, which was, you know, give me a stepping stone into a new career, a new path, um, give me a new range of experiences. Um, and then, you know, it's funny, you talk about freelancing. When I, when I left Google in 2014, I had this kind of high hope that, I would do freelancing work around uh, the kind of stuff that I've been doing inside uh, Google, right? It's kind of like, you know, uh, digital transformation, uh, uh, innovation work, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
And of course, nobody knew me for that work, right? I didn't have any reputation or audience. And so the very first contract that I got after I left Google were SEO projects, right? And um, that right. felt a little bit demoralizing, honestly. I, you know, at first I was like, oh, am I going to go back to doing SEO audits? Having just spent two years at Google, that, that <laughs> feels like going backwards in my career. Um, and what I, what I realized was that being independent, being a, a, a solo consultant versus being an agency gave me much more freedom to get deeper inside clients' organizations, deeper inside clients' problems. Um, you know, the structure of the kind of work that I was doing was I would say, well, I'm not going to do an SEO audit for you, but I'm going to kind of sit in your team three days a week, right? And, mm -hmm. and I'll be in your office, I'll be in your flows. And, and that gives you such a, a richer context for what the problems are, what the solutions are, all the soft skills that we talked about, you know, getting buy-in and budget and winning over stakeholders. Um, and so over the years, my consulting work evolved from what you would kind of affectionately call SEO consulting um, into what I now call strategy <laughs> consulting, although, you know, where do you, where do you draw the line? Um, but, but, you know, I, I, that grew out of that, that kind of SEO work. Um, so anyway, that was a long-winded answer to your, to your question, but that was kind of the journey that, that I went on. Yeah, I think everything you said was fantastic. And the first thing that you said that you noticed, you know, back in 2011, that I think is coming around full circle again is, you know, ad agencies and PR are doing a lot of work that is essentially working for SEO. Right. And I think before, you know, you called out it's content creation, but I would argue all the like link building wins that we are seeing now, nobody's talking about going out and manually outreaching, you know, they get six links and this is winning. It's they're creating PR campaigns. Right. And it's really amazing to see not only that you were forward thinking and seeing that 10 years ago, but that is still, I don't even want to call it an issue. It's the evolution of SEO. SEO right. has gone so far beyond, you know, let's do your on-page SEO, let's structure everything, let's create some content and you quote unquote win. You know, it, it really has evolved. So I definitely understand you know, why that could be frustrating, you know, especially when you're on the agency side, you know, I'm a recovering agency guy too. I did 10 plus years on it before going out on my own. So right. you and I definitely understand that. But going back to uh, what you're saying, you know, I think a lot of people would look at getting a job at Google. That's kind of like a, a pinnacle career point. You know, that's a huge job at a, at a huge company you know, and assuming salary kind of goes along with that. I think a lot of people that are interested in freelancing look as an opportunity to double down on the freedom and you know the the earning potential. But so you're coming from what I understand would probably be a sizable income at Google and you're having to go out. And that's what I'm sure was kind of the baseline for you defining success. Nope. So with that in mind, I'd love to know like what precautions, if any, did you take before you went out on your own? And like at what point in time did you kind of realize all right, I'm on my own and this is going to work. Like I can keep going versus I need to, you know, throw my resume back in, you know, to the cesspool. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely had a good safety net. Um, you know, I think, uh, and that safety net takes a whole bunch of different kind of, kind of forms, right? I had uh, money in the bank, um, which was nice and necessary. Um, I'm also like, a white dude, right? Like, I feel you know, like there are kind of opportunities available. Um, and, and I don't take that for granted or try not to take that for granted. Um, but I think that was definitely a part of it, right? There was a kind of a general safety net or the feeling of safety that um, I could get a job if I needed to, if this mm -hmm. thing didn't work out, I had some runway. Um, uh, if I remember correctly, back at the time, I think I had somewhere between three and six months of a kind of, you know, true runway, um, a feeling like, 
if I don't earn a single dollar for three to six months, I'll I'll be okay. Um, right. You know, after that, things things start to get rocky. Um, uh, and so I had I had some some cushion, I had some safety net, um, psychological safety and financial safety. Um, uh, I would I also had some kind of preliminary client um, relationships. So like people or I'd already had some discussions with folks about maybe doing some consulting work, and that gave me the confidence or feeling of safety that client work was there without any ether right that i could I, I could drum that up um and so all of those things kind of combined to to when i made the leap um you know i mean honestly the the big trigger for making the leap was with that you know having been at google for a couple of years and not feeling super happy there um it was when i finally got my green card um in my hand that, sure that g gave me the the final bit of kind of safety to feel like i could actually go and do my own thing rather than having to go and get another job um but it wasn't all roses you know i i stepped out on on uh, on my own um and it took me um probably took me about a year or a year and a half ish to get back to the point where i was replacing my google salary um sure. and uh probably took me another let's say 18 months to feel like I was kind of like, all right, this is the path that I want to be on, right? Um, and and in the middle of all of that, there were ups and downs and highs and lows, as I'm sure you are familiar with. <laughs> um, you know, I remember I did some interviewing, right? I sent my resume, you know, low spots. I remember there was a low spot. It was the summer of 2015 or 2016. Uh, so so you know, year or two in, uh, a lot of my consulting work dried up, just just the, you know the way it went, um, and. Uh, I sent my resume. So I sent my resume out to you. I was like, maybe I want a job. <laughs> maybe that's the thing that I need to be doing. Um, you know, had some job interviews, had some job offers, um, and got very close to taking some of those. And then ultimately decided that the freelancing consulting world was was too enticing, and and client work picked back up. And then you know, so it's it, I don't think it's quite so linear or straightforward, or, or, or you know, um, it's not so black and white as we as it maybe looks in hindsight. Um, right. You know, this was always the path, and this was always what I was doing the whole time. You know, uh, you kind of zigzag across these things for sure. Well, and it's great, you know, someone that, you know, has the success that you've had. It's great to hear that, you know, like you said, it's not black and white. You didn't, you know, leave day one, make a million dollars, and it just continues to go, up, go uphill every day. You know, I think for everybody, you know, listening to this and, you know, reads my newsletter, it's like, if there's always this picture of freelancing is only amazing. And I try to kind of balance it off with, you know, things are crazy. You know, I've talked about health insurance, which I'm sure you have. Very strong opinions come from the UK to yeah. you know New York where you're having yeah, to don't get me pay started. for your family. Yeah. Yep. No, I literally just posted the other day. It's like I screenshot from my bank. I pay eighteen hundred dollars a month for my family of five. You know, Tom, I know you have a family. It's probably you know just expensive, but um, <laughs> like I said, I won't necessarily go down that rabbit hole. But one thing that I would be curious about. So, when you went out on your own. You said that you weren't necessarily happy at Google, so the change makes sense. But did you have like a, a perceived goal? You know, what did you want? Was it strictly the the freedom? Was it that you wanted to what I call kind of chase the money? You wanted to, you know, make X amount of dollars, or what was it that was, you know, really exciting and ultimately made you take the leap? Yeah. Um, again, there's a kind of a complicated, multi-layered answer to that question. Um, <laughs> when I quit Google, I was actually the the kind of the 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 narrative, the story that I was telling people, and that I told myself even um, when I quit Google was that I was launching an art startup. So me and my partner had launched this um, online art collective uh, called Fiercely Curious, and that had done some interesting things. We were making art sales. We had a collective of artists here in Brooklyn. We were running pop-up shows um, around Brooklyn, um, and ostensibly 
that was a little bit of the, the cover story, if you like, um, uh, although it wasn't the cover story at the time, uh, but was I was going to focus on that. We were going to build this business. It was like a little e-commerce thing. We had these live events and it was growing and it was driving revenue. And we thought, great, I'm going to go full time on this. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of consulting and freelance work on the side to you know keep some money mm -hmm. coming in, but that was the thing. Um, and so you think about goals or aims. You know, I think my my goal and aim was great. I'm going to quit Google so I can work on this thing that I have, right? This, sure. this, this art business. Um, uh, you know, and that was kind of attractive in a certain sense of I'm I'm you know building something. I'm being like a startup person. You know, that, that all some of these things were um, more attractive to me uh, when I was younger. Um, but it it took about I'd say about six to nine months of two things happening. One, realizing that making money in the art world is really hard. Um, and two, that I actually really enjoyed consulting work. Um, and, and so it kind of, we were about six, nine months um, into it when we decided that, you know what, actually I'm gonna, uh, you know, my partner stayed full-time on the art business, but I was gonna go full-time on the consulting side. Um, and that, that would, uh, uh, as a family, that would give us more stable income so that we could actually increase our runway for the art business and keep doing that. But the, it took some of the financial pressures off um, because consulting is just uh, honestly more lucrative than art. Um, and, and, and you know, sometimes I wish that wasn't so, but um, I actually really enjoy consulting. So, so maybe that's not a bad thing. But yeah, that was kind of the, the story. When you think about you know, stepping out of Google, yes, it was like getting out of that situation, doing something new, but it wasn't, I didn't really have clarity that I didn't know I was gonna spend whatever, eight years that I've spent now uh, as a consultant, right? Um, I, I didn't know that being a, being a consultant was gonna become this kind of big part of my identity. Um, I didn't know that I would enjoy it so much. Um, you know, I'd done a lot of client work previously at Distilled, right? So I, I was no stranger to client work. and I didn't necessarily imagine the client work would be as fulfilling or as creative or as interesting as um, I'd managed to make it. Uh, and I think that was a kind of a, as much of a surprise to me as, as, as anyone else. I love that you kind of made a double hop. It's like you left Google with one dream and then, you know, something that you were interested in. Let's just even call it a hobby at that aspect of the consulting side. And then I don't know, are you still doing the art? Like, is that still running we, we, too? We are. It's, it's still running. You know, I think it's been a little bit on the, um, the back burner with, uh, you, you know, we had two kids uh, over the last six years and there's also been a pandemic in the way. And that's thrown a wrench in some of our plans for, uh, you know, I've kind of, um, double down on consulting as a way to kind of get through uh, all of that. Right. Um, so, uh, but it's still there. Yeah, we, we just, um, funnily enough, we just had a big art commission from uh, from a hotel chain uh, that wants to do you know, some, some custom work in every one of their hotel rooms um, and stuff. So um, definitely still interesting stuff happening on that side. It's been a very creatively fulfilling project and an interesting project to run. Um, it's opened a lot of doors and built, built a, a really interesting network of people, especially in New York. Um, that I never would have built a network with otherwise, right? Um, you know, very much outside right. of the tech industry, um, you know, in creative industries, um, uh, you know, both artists themselves and everyone who is kind of art adjacent. Um, it's been a great way to open doors and build networks and, and make friends, um, which, which right. you know, is not, it's not necessarily the reason you set out to do these things, but certainly in hindsight, that's been one of the biggest kind of, um, uh, 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 biggest areas of value. One thing that I imagine you would agree with here is I wrote a post recently talking about how freelancers should be aware of diversifying their revenue. Mm -hmm. You know, similar to what you had said before, you had the quote unquote bad years where clients leave. And that is the biggest risk to being a consultant or a freelancer is your clients come and they go and the goal is to never have them all leave or all on board at one point in time. Right. But when you can you know, have things like this art venture that you have or smaller things that I'm trying to get into, like seojobs.com. It's like an opportunity because if you can diversify your revenue, then if one were to ever dry up, 
hopefully it's never both of them at the same time. So there's diversity in the actual clients you take, there's diversity in the types of revenue that you have. So I love hearing that, you know, you are not just consulting all day, every day. You have the SEO MBA, which I want to talk to you a little bit more about, you know, you have this art venture, you might have others, but it certainly gives you more safety than what I would say a regular nine to five job can provide, you know, or just doubling down in only the art world or the consulting world. Um, yeah, I, 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 I actually disagree with that a little bit. I have some complex thoughts about Ooh. it. I actually wrote a blog post called, called, called the jigsaw of, of independence about trying to assemble an independent life and put all the pieces together. Um, I, so, so I don't disagree with you that having a, a kind of blended income source is useful, but I think that one of the things that I've seen for independent consultants and freelancers that causes a lot of anguish and anxiety and burnout, honestly, is trying to chase too many different types of thing at once, sure. right? like trying to build a startup while you're doing consulting or trying to uh, build a product and, and a, and a you know, recurring revenue stream while you're doing consulting. Um, and actually, you know, the for me, uh, I, I actually kind of you know, handed off a lot of the art business to my partner quite early on, right? Um, and, and for the longer time, right, so let's say 2015 through 2020, right, at least five years, consulting was the only revenue stream and that gave an incredible uh, amount of focus and um, uh, I, I, peace. Dare I say it, it was like <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I know I know how to make money, and I, I'm not trying to chase these other modes of work. Right? Consulting sure. is my job. Consulting is how I pay the bills. Um, and consulting is almost always the most important thing. Right? It's kind of like you know, uh, if a consulting client onboards, then that's where I spend my time. If I have somebody paying me money, then that's where I'm spending my time. Um, and I'm not trying to balance that or compete that with some other priority that has this nebulous mm. kind of time commitment, uh, emotional commitment, and so on. And I, and I say all of that because. When I launched the SEO MBA in uh, uh, twenty, uh, when did I launch it? Last year, twenty twenty two. No, twenty twenty one. What is time? Um, <laughs> the pandemic screwed up everything. Um, Absolutely. When I, when I launched the SEO MBA, suddenly I had these two competing priorities. Right, I was doing consulting work and I was trying to launch the SEO MBA, and and that brought back to to brought into relief this feeling of very much competing priorities. Right, it's it's very mm -hmm. very difficult to prioritize your time, compartmentalize your time, assign focus when you have these things that have very different modes of working, very different time scales of value. And um, you know, one is self-directed, one is client-directed, one is paying you immediately, one has this kind of nebulous payoff. Um, and so balancing the, the consulting work versus the SEO MBA has actually been very challenging for me um, over the last you know, year, year and a half. Um, and so I say that as a, as a kind of word of caution of a lot of people, I think, try and chase this kind of diversified revenue stream, building products, building recurring revenue. And in doing so, they make consulting really stressful for themselves, right? Sure. Um, and so, so I, anyway, I, I don't kind of strictly disagree with what you're saying. I, I, you know, diversified revenue is useful, but I just think it's really important to be clear about, um, you know, consulting alone is hard enough. Right. Managing right. three or four clients at once is is hard, right? Um, and so when you layer on any kind of other project, any other kind of thing, um, then you're really running the risk of, of burnout, of stress, of, uh, you know, and so, so yeah, I, just a word of caution or, or something to think about. No, I think that's, that's great. You know, there's nothing more better than when you can have healthy conversations, especially when you're coming from two different sides of it. You know, I think I certainly have three or four, you know, rebuttals. And, and like I said, less of say you're right or wrong. 
you know, I think um, it, it's just very interesting. I think everything that you said makes a lot of sense. And I do think there's a lot to be said to mental health and burnout, especially, you know, I think everything in life is about balance. Yeah. You know, and I think it really depends, you know, what, what is most important for your goals today? What are some of your goals for the future? And like you said, maybe it's not one or the other, but it's leaning towards, you know, what helps you meet some of those goals. So yeah, I really yeah. actually appreciate you know, that take on it, you know, just shows that two people having a little bit different approach to it can actually be 90% overlap. Yeah, right, right, about, right. You know, again, you yeah, know, just, how do you, how do you get to those goals? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And I think, um, you know, I've, I've been a big champion in my writing of, um, there's no one way to be an independent consultant. There's no one way to be a freelancer, right? Everyone carves their own mix and their own perspective and their own approach. And I think that's healthy. That's the way it should be. Um, you know, I think that uh, one, one, one last point on that kind of you know, mix of projects is, and I wrote about this in, in that post I wrote, the, the jigsaw of independence is people, people focus a lot on uh, time capacity, right? They focus a lot on kind of, kind of uh, their, their uh, time a, a kind of a bandwidth or the calendar bandwidth and so they try and slot in like can i take on another project right now can i take on another client etc um and i'd argue that the type of work that you do the number of types of work is far more impactful than the raw time commitment right you you know i've Absolutely. had I, i've had moments when i'm working 60 70 80 hour weeks um but there's a huge alignment of it being like a, a certain type of consulting or I have two clients in the same kind of niche or the same type. And there's a lot of kind of uh, momentum that I can get or kind of clarity that I can get focused by by keeping everything in a tight frame um, versus having a few different clients in radically different industries or clients in radically different types, right? One is a big retainer, one is a, is a lightweight consulting thing. Um, uh, you layer on top trying to like build a, build your own course on the side. And like that, the, where the number of, even though the actual time com commitment on paper is not extreme, the different types of work that you're trying to do create this this mental headspace, right? They they fill yes. up your kind of uh, band your mental bandwidth um, in a way that I think is uh, quite insidious, right? It's quite it's quite easy to trap yourself accidentally, emotionally signing up to these different types of things. Um, and uh, so anyway, that's you know, and again, everyone's perspective is different. Everyone has a different approach and a different kind of perspective. But um, I think it's something again that. It's something I've tried to do in my own writing of, of when you read a lot of the kind of commonly accepted literature about how to be a freelancer, how to be an independent consultant, you read a lot about, you know, carefully managing your time tracking and um, your capacity planning and all of this kind of stuff. And I like to bring a slightly alternative approach, which is I think that your kind of mental headspace is is the dominant thing. Or, or rather, I should say, my mental headspace is the dominant thing for me, um, more than my actual hours, um, as a thing that guides my stress levels. Um, and so that, that I, I pay more attention to my my mental capacity than I do to the actual number of hours worked. And you and I are very much on the same page. And I wonder if it's a lot of our previous agency experience life, you know, where you tend to work a lot more than maybe you need to or should, right. because I do also prioritize a lot of the the mental side and you know, this is a conversation I had with Eli Schwartz a mm -hmm. lot, you know, it's very much this, you know, value-based pricing versus trading, you know, time for money. Yeah. And I think from my perspective, it's like in a perfect world, we're always trying to automate making some money. You know, we're trying to, you know, chase that elusive passive income. So it's just making sure it's like, how are we able to hit some, you know, like you said, it's, it's paying the bills today versus paying the bills tomorrow. And, it, and it's really interesting. I, I do agree with you. There's a lot of effort that I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize in taking your brain from consulting 
with clients and switching over to a course, a newsletter, a, a podcast. Totally. And those are things that, you know, you're risking the guaranteed payday of working with people that are paying you, whether it be for the hour or for a retainer versus something that may or may not work. So I, I do agree with you. I think that it's, I don't know. Again, I'll kind of go back to what I said. I think it's just really balancing it all. For mm -hmm. me, it, it's more of a balancing game. Like you said, maybe it's it's not doing the balance, but I think that's just really kind of learning what is best for you, what's healthy, you know, and ultimately kind of going back to, like we said, what are your goals? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone has to find their own balance. So I want to be respectful of your time here, but let's wrap up by talking a bit about the SEO MBA. You know, you talked a little bit about, you know, it existing and spending your time and, you know, it's kind of a, a venture into the unknown, but can you walk us through a little bit more, you know, what the purpose of the SEO MBA is? We talked quite a bit at the very beginning about, you know, these soft skills and how it's a gap in the industry, but can you elaborate a little bit more? Yeah. Well, so um, the origin story, I think is kind of interesting. So I was, I was working um, on a big consulting gig in um, 2019 um, and 2020, kind of just, uh, right when the pandemic was starting. And I was helping a big Fortune 500 company um, basically build an SEO team from scratch. Um, they went from a team of SEO of three SEOs to a team of like 50 people nominally in the SEO team, um, of which, you know, there were like eight, I think, full-time SEOs. There's a big product squad. There's a big editorial squad. Um, and so as all of that, you know, I put the strategy together, got buy-in from the CEO and from the board, and they said, great, you go spend, you know, a few million dollars on building out this team. And, uh, and then the CEO turns around to me and he says, well, okay, so you gotta go, you gotta go hire this VP of SEO who's gonna oversee this big team, right? That's, your, that's the first thing you gotta go do. And I was like, oh, right, um, I gotta go execute this plan, not just put it in PowerPoint. Um, and uh, so anyway, so I spent a long time, a lot of 2019, a lot of 2020, um, interviewing uh, uh, exclusively senior level SEO professionals for that VP of SEO role. Um, and I spoke to a lot of people um, with a lot of different backgrounds. I spoke to many people that knew a lot more about the technical uh, workings of SEO than I do, right? I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not um, the the best at that. Um, and uh, what was clear though was that I couldn't find anyone that I was comfortable putting in front of the CEO. I couldn't find sure. somebody who could manage a PNL, build, uh, you know, uh, uh, run a team of that size, and operate a kind of program inside a company of that size. Um, and it all came to a head when I found this one person in particular that we were very very close to hiring. And I went to the CEO and I said, I got this, this one person, um, I really like them. They're, they're almost there. They're just, they're just lacking a little bit of that kind of executive presence um, uh, that, that they need. And the CEO said, well, maybe we should hire them and you should just train that in them. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. And then I was like, I kind of paused a bit and I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was like, oh, right. This is a thing that is like, a huge skills up skills gap in the industry, right? I've just spent all this time interviewing candidates and seeing firsthand, like uh, as the hiring manager, I'm not hiring these people because they're, they're lacking the skills. It's like a concrete skills gap in the industry. Um, it's a thing that is super needed, and it's a thing that kind of you know, takes somebody from being a technical professional to a to a you know a, a senior, uh, a kind of executive professional. Um, and it's also a thing that kind of uniquely fits my skill set, right? I have the SEO background. I spent a long time caring about consulting skills, working with senior decision makers, senior executives, and so on. Um, and so that was really the genesis. I was like, all right, I should go do this. Um, so the SEO MBA, the, the name stuck. And I was like, that's the name. That's the brand. I'm going to launch it as a newsletter. I always knew courses were going to come on the horizon. 
Um, and that was the first course. So I went to the fourth, first course in uh, November last year. That was the, the SEO MBA course on executive presence. Um, and then the second course just launched uh, about a month ago, the, the Art of Client Management. First course is very much for kind of anyone who's senior, whether agency or in-house. The, the course that just went live, the Art of Client Management, is all about agency side SEO. So it's all about if you work at an agency, how do you uh, manage clients uh, effectively, client communication, client retention, upsells, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and both the newsletter and the courses, again, focus exclusively on the things we talked about, the soft skills, right? The communication, the leadership, the strategy, um, working with senior stakeholders, working cross-functionally. Um, I, I try I try not to teach anything about how to do SEO, <laughs> the kind of technical skills. Um, I think there's plenty of other good resources for that, and that tends to be uh, a more commonly accepted skill set. So yeah, that was um, that was the background of how why I launched it, where I'm at. Um, like I said, the second course just went live. Um, in terms of where it goes next, um, that is uh, very much TBD. Trying to figure that out uh, right now. If you have ideas, send me a postcard. Yeah, and as we had talked about before, I can't remember if it was offline or online earlier, I truly believe that these soft skills are the difference between what makes a really good SEO and a really great SEO. And honestly, you can take, you know, he's writing this course and, you know, the newsletter for SEO specifically, but a lot of what he's writing about regularly within the newsletters, you know, the posts, the the actual courses could be helpful for any, you know, specific area of skill set. You know, this this ability to be able to communicate the value, you know, taking in the weeds information and taking what's most important, create headlines, easy to consume um, PowerPoints. It's just so critical. And it's something that, you know, I continue to prioritize and work on you know, extensively because I know it's what really can make a freelancer even stand out versus an agency or potentially the in-house team. So, yeah. um, again, Go to seomba.com at minimum, sign up for the newsletter, check out the content if you haven't already. I think um, you'll quickly realize how great you know, Tom's work is. So again, Tom, just kind of publicly, you know, thank you for doing that. I think this is a huge gap in our industry and you know, looking forward to a lot more of your future work. Well, I, I really appreciate those kind words. It makes um, getting feedback that people enjoy and find value in the writing and the courses is, is makes it all worthwhile. So um, I really appreciate that. Real quick before we let you go here, can you give us any recommendations just from being a consultant? Are there, you know, individuals that you think people should follow, courses outside of the SEO MBA, you know, or newsletters that you recommend people, you know, follow or sign up for? Um yeah, I mean, uh, the Paul Millard, um, a friend of mine, has uh, a great podcast called Think Boundless, and he also has an online course about thinking like a strategy consultant. Um, I think that's a great, uh, a great course for anyone who's kind of independent and thinking about how to navigate that stuff. Um, uh, there's a there's a book, The Business of Expertise, by by David Baker, um, that I found really useful. Um, there's another book by by Alan Vice, Million Dollar Consulting, which. Um, yep. Is a little bit more rah rah. Like I don't always love the tone. Um, uh, I kind of very aggressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm not sure I would like Alan if I met him in real life, and that's no, no. I don't no, don't mean to speak badly of him, but I just you know I don't think we see things the same way. And yet um, there was a lot of good advice in the book um, if you can kind of read past some of the rah rah stuff. Um, so uh, yeah, those are some of the sources that have been useful for me. Um, and then uh, yeah, I, I, I you know outside of the SEO MBA on on TomCrisso.com, I do a lot of writing about um, independent consulting generally and and uh, the ups and downs and and in a inner workings of that that life. So if you're into that, um, yeah, check out check out some of that writing. Fantastic. And, and last but not least, people listening today, how can they get in touch with you? 
Uh, uh, Twitter is probably where I'm kind of most active and probably waste most of my time uh, at Tom Critchlow on Twitter. Uh, my personal website, tomcritchlow.com, and uh, yeah, the SEO MBA, which is seomba.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much, Tom, for joining us today. You know, I'll make sure to link everything that we've talked about with full transcript down in the description below. You can find that at theseofreelancer.com. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom, on the show.